Welcome to the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. This is your number one crypto podcast to hear directly from the movers and shakers, innovators and disruptors in the cryptocurrency industry. Follow on Twitter for updates and to communicate directly at Wolf Big Dog. That's at Wolf Big D-A-W-G. Now, now, here is your host, the one and only Big Dog Crypto. And welcome to the latest episode of the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. I'm your host, Big Dog Crypto. And let me tell you, I've been trying to get this guy on the podcast for a long time, but he is busy. He goes nonstop. However, I kept asking, and finally, I got him on the podcast. Bull Ron Gravano, how are you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a lot of uh, tag going back and forth between you and I. We've known each other for quite a while, but I appreciate you having me on. And I got to give you that intro because let's be honest, man, I've been trying to get you, man, but you go nonstop, brother. How many hours, how many hours a week are you putting into crypto? Uh, you know, it varies. I, I do have, you know, I, I have my 14-hour uh, days, 16-hour days here and there, but thank God. No, I don't want to say thank God for, for the uh, the bear market, but um I guess it came at the right time. It's summertime here in the U.S. and uh, been able to slow down a little bit and uh, take a little time with the family, go on a couple of vacations and uh, rest my brain a little bit. But yeah, when things uh, when things ramp up and it gets crazy, that's you know around the clock. My 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 brain is going and I'm trying to uh, to broker deals and work with different projects and and find something new and do my research but um, it's been a busy lifestyle you know I, I left uh, I left my full-time career in IT a couple of years ago and I've been immersed in this and I work twice as much doing this than I ever did at my uh, my full-time job in the past so that kind of brings up you I mean how did you get into crypto originally do you remember what you were doing the first time you even heard of Bitcoin? Yeah. Uh, so, so I had an intro to Bitcoin. Um, you know, I had heard people talk about it and, um, you know, talk about, oh, you know, this guy's mining Bitcoin, you know, running a rig. And, you know, I started asking questions what is this about? And, you know, they, they just started talking about it, just a, a new, a new form of wealth, um, transfer wealth and you know, how to, uh, how to invest in it. And for a while it was just tinkering around with kind of learning what it was and, um, you know, some of the advantages from traditional finance, but my, my first investment wasn't even in Bitcoin. It was Ethereum. My brother came to me back in uh, 2017, early 2018, when Ethereum hit its all-time high. And for me, it was really just being thrown to the wolves. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to learn about the ecosystem, um, about Bitcoin or, or Ethereum. It was kind of on the fly, you know. Um, at, at that time, people were just starting to get excited about it. And here I was going into uh, troll boxes on exchanges, 
right. um, some of those some of those old school ones, and really just following random, you know, ra- random uh, random shells, and doing like probably what a lot of people are doing right now who are new to the space, just uh, chasing green candles and holding on to my coins and watching it go up, and then holding it all the way down to nearly nothing, you know? So I had my share of mistakes, but going back, yeah, it was, uh, it's been, you know, about five years now and it was just word of mouth. My brother got in, he since moved back, back to, you know, doing whatever he was doing prior to that. He kind of got out of crypto, but I was hooked. Um, I came, I, I worked in, um, I worked in it for 20 years and um, was was actually working at Morgan Stanley for a few years in New York City, and got got kind of a taste of traditional finance and being around traders and the bullpen. And, um, yeah, that was just that was an exciting time. And maybe 2005, 2006 during that whole you know too big to die moment for uh, for the big banking um, industry. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it was exciting. I, I loved watching they, what they were doing when it came to trading and making deals. And so, so again, I've been around finance for quite a while, but it wasn't my forte at the time. This, it was more, it was something that I really transitioned to when I came into crypto. So basically you, you come from a traditional financial background and now this has pretty much become what you do full time. Yeah, yeah, traditional finance, and you know, again, I was in information technology, so I was managing a bunch of engineers who who went down and and worked on the market data apps for traders and everything down to the boot and turret phones when they when they go on to make their trades. But you know, I was in the thick of it, the bullpen. So for me, it was a, a matter of wow, this is exciting. You know, I really like this. This is I was probably in my late twenties at that time, and um, yeah, it was the adrenaline rush back then. So what tradition naturally when I came into this, it, it was that shot of inject, you know, that, like that injection of adrenaline when I came in making trades and doing thing, everything was fast paced and, uh, trying to jump in and out. But, um, over time, as I've learned and started to network with different project leaders and, and leaders in the space it really opened my eyes to so much more than just, you know, the excitement of making trades and really what this, uh, what some of the applications and utilities in this space, what they do for just to to better the lives of, of, you know, everybody involved, Um, you know, and and it's a global thing. So it, it, uh, yeah, it, it was really something that I, I got immersed in and, from that day, I was hooked and never looked back. So, so that kind of brings me, though, to the question of, you know, you got into it. You you immersed yourself into it. I remember, I mean, I remember watching your Twitter for a long time. And as you've grown and just just all the content you put out, um, how did you and I say this now because, you know, look, you talk to new people coming to the space all the time and they're kind of wondering, how do I learn about stuff? And to some extent, I feel like, let's say five years ago, there were certain ways to learn. There's ways to learn now. But at the end of the day, information is information. That being said, for a new person in the space now, how do you advise them to at least learn about the space, do their due diligence, and kind of you know in the crypto space? What would you tell them? 
Yeah, back in the day, it was somewhat limited, right? And you were, I, I was often blindly following advice of people who had a large following on Twitter. And right. it really wasn't, um, I don't know if it was the smartest way, but but again, my resources were limited back then. Now, I, I think there's a lot more opportunity for people who come in and learn the right way. Um, in my opinion, jumping in and making trades and buying things on exchanges um, that look hot, I don't know if that's the way to go in the beginning. Um, I think it takes a little bit of patience. So, you know, if I was to do it all again, I probably would have went that route, knowing what I know now, I guess hindsight. But, um, yeah, there, there, there's social media is great, you know, in some respects. It, it can be a danger at times, too, um, especially when you're playing with your money, right? But there's you know, Twitter, Twitter, obviously, is, is and always has been my main source of information. It's not just going on what what people are saying on Twitter, but everything from reading the news to, you know, Cointelegraph to, um, you know, fo following prominent leaders in the space. I'm always, you know, I'm always looking at what CZ is doing and what he's involved with. Uh, SBF, he's always, you know, he, he's always involved in doing something. Um, so, and, and then there are, you know, there are, there's other, Influencers in the space that you'll find are are worth following because they put out educational content. YouTube is the same way. Um, you find the right people and, and you really get an understanding that these people aren't necessarily, they're not trying to sell you something. They're trying to educate you. Um, right. I, I really, I lean towards those. I look, I look at, I look at YouTube, um, I look at Twitter. I go on some of those, um, some of those apps on my phone for like coin telegraph and crypto news and really try to learn the space. And then listen, if you're just coming in, go, go to, you know, learn about as much as you can about blockchain itself, not just about coins, right. Understand right. what blockchain can do and, um, you know, and, and understand not just, I think, I think years back, everybody looked at it as just, like a payment service, right? Transferring, uh, transferring currencies. But now it's everything from um, supply chains to security to tools to build new apps to uh, you know, centralized finance and how to invest and save over time. This isn't necessarily you'll get you'll get the shills that, that say this is a get rich quick type of thing, right? Uh, you got to look past that. You got to look at the big picture and, and use this more as an investment tool over time and, and build wealth over time. Um, I know everybody gets turned on to the idea of driving Lamborghinis and having a big house, yeah. watch it, jewelry, things like that. But um, yeah, that's, that's very easy, especially if you're somebody who's single in their 20s and you know, that, that's an attractive, um, that's attractive selling point, right? But, but, I, you know, I'm a guy in my 40s and I'm thinking more along the lines, and I hope younger people are too, about, about their savings and their retirement and securing a nest egg for the future. And this is, you know, this is a space where you can, you can learn and find tools to help you save money over time. And, and you know, for some of us, for 
any people out there, it's it was an opportunity that we wouldn't have had in traditional finance. People right. put money in a savings account and they're making less than 1% interest a year on their savings account. They don't know where else to go. Um, there are platforms out there where you can really learn how to save quite a bit of money over, you know, over time. And, you know, for a guy like me, it, it got me, I, I was blessed that it got me out of a career over 20 years where it got to the point where it was more a job and a paycheck. And I wasn't really enjoying the quality of life that I had to, you know, now I work from my little home office and I meet people and, um, you know, I'm not slaving over, um, a paycheck and, you know, making, making my boss wealthier. Um, right. it's, it's, all, it's about my wealth and my family and, and really taking control back. And, and that's what I appreciate. about it. It's, it's a totally different vibe. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, and that's, that's the thing. So people that are, let's say that have just gotten into the markets. And, and I mean, as, as people that are investing or, or buying or whatnot, and those that have only been in, let's say, since last fall, right? And so they saw everything going up, going up, everything goes up, and then suddenly <laughs> things down in January. You got a lot of people in the markets now that are kind of like, well, wait a second, uh, you know, this, I thought it was good, but everything's down. You know, I, I bought Bitcoin at 60 something and it's sitting there, it's, it's down to, you know, 20 something. What do you tell people like that? What advice do you give? What are your thoughts on that? I tell them that guys like you and I have, uh, you know, it's not our first rodeo. We've seen it before. Uh, The market runs in cycles. So, yeah, you're you're probably frustrated right now. Um, Some of them at the point of capitulation, not, you know, not too sure about the future of the market and where Bitcoin may go, but. We've, we've seen Bitcoin do this and retrace 80, 90% before, right? It's still a highly volatile asset. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I would say is kind of trust the process. Right? The market does run in cycles. And this was still somewhat predictable that we were going to retrace and we were going to have a bear market. But after a bear market, you know, a bull market always follows. It's, it's just a matter of time, how patient you can be. And take this time during this market, during the bear market, to learn, right? You don't need to be actively trading all the time. So display some patience, learn a little more so you don't make some of the same mistakes you made when you just came in. Because again, it's exciting. Everything's pumping. Everything is new. Um, you have these visions of making millions of dollars, and then it comes crashing down on you, right? Some people, it's just too much for them to get out, and they say, ah, shit, this isn't for me, this, you know, I'm never going to make money doing this. But again, you may be down, right? But I, I would say, you know, I'm not one to give advice on how you should manage your money, right? Or what you should spend your money on. But if it was me and I was new, I'd start putting a little bit away in each paycheck um, and having a little bit of a, um, you know, a little bit of capital off to the side, so when the markets do slowly start to turn, I'm a little bit better educated and I can start putting money in things like micro caps and small caps where, you know, unlike Bitcoin, Bitcoin to me is more like my, uh, my savings account, not my checking. Right? That's, right. that's, that's going to be something that uh, 
accrue over time. I'm going to stack some Bitcoin. I'm going to stack some ETH. But but while the market's down, you can find small projects with good fundamentals building something real that can do absolutely from this point of the market can do that 20, 50, 100x. And then you know you peel off some of that. And you roll it into your savings account again, your Bitcoin, your ETH. Um, so so again. To me, it's really like, don't get, don't give up. Um, I, you may be frustrated, but again, go back to the basics. Use this time to to read a book, go on, go on YouTube, find social media channels, get in Telegram groups, start learning. Um, use your time wisely, and and put a little bit of money away. So when the markets do turn, you can start sinking that money into you know really good projects that can blow up and have money again because again. Uh, the bull market's going to return. Well, do you want to, I mean, do you want to speculate when that's going to happen? And I know, look, it's, we all know it's, it's always hard to know, right? It used to be the last years, two years, three years, four. It seems to me like the cycles are really changing now. And I just mean in general, like the dynamics. So you go back five years ago where it was tulips and beanie babies referring to, to Bitcoin from the, from the, you know, JP Morgan. And now, you know, BlackRock's got it, you know, as, as, as once it, as part of their assets and management. So, do you think that affects the market cycles of bear and bull? Do you see a, a bull market coming sooner than later? Or what would you speculate on that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to pull 100 different top influencers on Twitter, say, mm-hmm. you would probably get 100 different opinions on when the market is going to turn, how long the bear market's going to last. Everybody's got their own opinion, right? It's, right. it's just rife with speculation. Um, if, if, if you're asking me, honestly, I would, I would say towards the new year that we would see a turn. Um, I, I personally think that, um, obviously a lot depends on, on global markets, watching what the stock market does, watching what the fed does with, with inflation and basis point hikes and, you know, the housing market, um, and global conflicts, they all play into it, but but you got institutional investors who are still on the sideline. You're, you're hearing about some of them jumping in, right, and getting involved, but I, I personally think a lot of them are still on the sidelines. Um, institutional investors coming in will shorten the bear market and, and get things moving again, and, and obviously, when you're looking at Bitcoin down near 20000 that's a lot more attractive to institutional investors than it was at 60000 right? Um, so the, the other thing that comes into play here is, is regulation. And right. I, I understand that right, when, when we, when some of us came into this space, the mentality was to have full control over your assets and your money right? and, and not have the government meddling in your business when it comes to your finances and and uh, how you transfer money, how you make money, you're paying, things like that. But I think it's, it, it really needs to shift from not just governments being, um, being kept out of your business or, or essentially kept out of crypto, but governments cooperating. Um, and, you know, a few years ago, that, that would sound, you know, that's blasphemy. <laughs> Getting involved and cooperating, but but yeah. 
you got governments cooperating, that that comes with a fair amount of regulation. And again, people hear regulation, they go, God, that's gonna, you know, that's really going to take away a lot of my freedoms and it's gonna restrict me from doing what I want privately. And to me, me regulation, what it does is it makes this more of a secure asset class um, with less volatility. And with less volatility comes more interest for institutional investors. That's what they want, right? They want they want an asset class that they don't have to worry about depreciating 80 to 90% in the future. Um, so what, I guess the, the baseline there, what I'm thinking is if we do, it's more regulation involved, more institutional investors will, will say, now I'm ready to jump in. Um, I feel more confident about this. And that's when, you know, more of a bull run will kick off. And, and again, I'm hoping that comes by the end of the year. Um, I'd be apprehensive to say September, October. If it does, great. But there's a lot of different factors that can extend some more sideways action. Yep. You know, it's it's funny about the regulation part, though, because if you think about it, like, and you know, a lot of people in the space, and there's different there's different ways of looking at, it, and there's always some people say, oh, I don't want regulation whatsoever, but I want to see Bitcoin go to a hundred plus, right, or two hundred plus, and then those that say, look, hey, maybe I'm not as crazy about regulation, but it needs to happen for the big institutions to put their money into it because they're not at least you know we've seen how it is with the banking system and everything. I mean, you see them now talking about uh, you know custodying stable coins and all that. It's almost like you know, crypto has been the big elephant in the room and now it has a seat at the table. And even though, let's say, you know, Wall Street didn't want it at first, they acknowledge it's there. And then when you go to, you know, you talk, at least you come from traditional finance, when you go to a lot of these companies that originally said, let's go back to, let's go back to, um, to, to, to Diamond back five years ago. Oh, far any trade right now, of course, JP Morgan has, has, you know, trading desk. But he said at the time, oh, I don't like it, but my daughter has it. My daughter loves it. You know, you look at the new generation coming in, they are very comfortable with it. So I think from a, a leftist point of view, right, from something that makes sense from a marketability, because that's really what a lot of institutions look at, their clients want it. So, you know, the regulation, it's got its pros and its cons, but it is what it is if it's going to grow. Yeah. So look at it from this perspective, you know, the total crypto market cap is like, I don't know, $1.1, $1.2 trillion. Are we that high again now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think somewhere floating between that. I haven't looked at. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, you're right. Somewhere. Yeah, you're right. But, 1. 1. right. You're right. Again, putting this, putting this space in perspective, Apple. Apple has 2.7, 2.8, I forget what it was. It's somewhere close to $3 trillion market cap. Apple alone. Now you can, that's, three times the market cap of the entire global crypto market cap. We are still tiny in, in, the, in the broad perspective of things, right? The finance. Yeah. So what would, you rather, what would you rather have? Would you rather have crypto at a $1.2 trillion market cap with no regulation? Or would you rather have it at a $10 trillion market cap with some regulation built in with less volatility or, you know, great everybody's room for 100k 200k bitcoin but there are still going to be people who buy in near the top and they're going to watch it go down 90% again in in you know the next bear cycle if it's that volatile so build in build in some uh, some security in there put some put some regulations in 
um, make it a safer space, make it a more secure space for people, for, for traditional finance investors to come in and, and put their money without having to completely speculate. Um, have some of these projects get more into things like equity raises where in, in, you know, raise money, not just on tokens, not on speculative tokens, but, you know, maybe, maybe things that are revenue generating where, you, where you're getting a, a portion of the profits. Um, I, I think that needs to come into DeFi a little bit more uh, where, where people can look at it as, as from the position of, well, I'm going to have, you know, if this project does really well, and they have really good revenue. I get a share of that. Rep. Um, that's what I looked at in traditional finance. You know, wanted to be a part of that. Where where I could rely on revenue coming in, not not holding money in a wallet and, and hoping that it radiates, but also taking that risk that it could go to nothing. Right. Well, I, I, will do, I want to touch on one thing though. When you're you're talking about, especially with taking risk and whatnot, when you look at low caps, um, there, there you you said something earlier about the fact the ones that are building during the bear market, right, and finding those if you can. And of course, there's tons of them out there, and it's all about research. If somebody tells you, "Hey, I'm looking at this project." What would be a few things that you would tell that person to really analyze before diving in that project? What are two or three things that um, are, let's say, things you need to see to make it work for you to say, hey, you know what? This looks like it could be good or it may be good. Don't know, right? Perhaps. What sort of things yeah. do you want to see? Perhaps? Yeah, I probably have a laundry list of, of items. And it's the same yeah. picture and pictures of the team, right? This is John, George, Jill. Wait, that's the same picture, the same guy. <laughs> so, so I, mean, I, I typically up. go on. <laughs> Supply um, well, early, yeah, sure. One of the tools I use is, you know, I go on Dex tools a lot. Yeah. If the project is really, really small and it just launched, right. obviously it comes with a considerable amount of risk, right? right. So when, it, when it's an extremely small project and you look at their website and you're, like, and you're thinking, I like like what they're trying to build. Usually they don't have like a proof, of con they, they have a proof of concept, right? They don't necessarily have a product um, in production yet. So you're looking at the proof of concept, right? Looking at what they're trying to build. And maybe you say, this, this sounds like it really has, you know, it solves a real world problem where um, it, it could be uh, something that I would use uh, that I would love to use in my everyday life um, or the businesses could apply. But then, your next step is to look at, uh, and there's tools that you can use within that tool. Um, would not be getting too granular um, and in the weeds on this, but you check to see if they've locked their liquidity. Make sure they can't rug the con, you know, uh, you know, pull the contractor, you know, rug everybody and take the money. Um, you look to see what the initial market cap is. If it's nice, if it's nice and low, and they got liquidity locked, and um, the supply, you know, see how much of the supply is in circulation, what the release is going to be. There's going to be things where you need to do a little bit of digging. You may need to go on the website. You may need to look at their contract, um, see how many people are holding the token already on Etherscan. So you can see um, kind of the, the uh, way the, the wallets are dispersed. Make sure nobody's holding too high of a supply. It's going to dump on you. Those are kind of short-term things. Long-term things, if, if this is a project that you want to invest in and maybe hold it or in watch it grow over the course of a year or, or maybe longer, well, then you, you start to, you go in, 
into the, uh, you go on the website, you look at the white paper, you check out the team. Um, has this team, do they have members that have worked on other uh, well-known projects that have been successful? Do they come from traditional finance, right? Have they been with, with companies like BlackRock or Morgan Stanley or JP Morgan, something like that, where they, where they really understand finance um, or whatever space their project has to be in? Do they have relevant experience? Um, look at, do they have links to the LinkedIn profile? So really it's like, look at their history, um, check what they're building um, and verify and see if they have other, other investors involved. If they have other partnerships Companies in uh, you know outside of crypto were building you know building something or have a um, a proven track record of success. So that's kind of what I do. I, I look at the background of a team, um, what they're actually trying to build, who they've partnered with, and and I, I avoid those projects where you just have an idea put out put out there on a website. They're not working with anybody yet. Um, their tokenomics don't look great. They had a big say, private sale round where a bunch of people got in and um, they're going to get their tokens quickly, which means they're going to dump their tokens on the market and you're going to watch your investment you know, um, depreciate 80%. You have to be a bag holder for the next year or two years and hope it gets back to even. Uh, so again, go, go back and do your research on these things. And that comes to the fact that research is there. And of course, with the internet, when it comes to any project or any part of crypto, you know, you can research. There's no, there's no question about that. So jumping ahead and one other thing on, on crypto, um, when you look at Bitcoin five years down the road, do you want to, do you want to get like a price target on it? Would you want to go there? Oh, excuse me. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll range and I feel like I shouldn't, like I've done this a lot of the podcasts. I ask for price targets and it's, you know, and I know it's so hard to speculate whatnot, but you hear a billion dollars, you hear 500,000 and, you know, if you DCA along the way, right, historically, you've always done well. But would you even want to kind of guess, let's say, in uh, 20, you know, 2027, what, what kind of number we're looking at with uh, with BTC? Yeah, I'll put a disclaimer on this that the, uh, the target I give you, short mm -hmm. my target. <laughs> I'm probably going to be wrong. <laughs> if, you could sh if you could short my answer. Yeah, right. Uh, Look, I, I would but, I, I give you my target. Take that and five dollars. Go into Starbucks. You get a cup of coffee. But anyway, what <laughs> in, in five years? Okay. Yeah. If if we have realistic regulatory framework and, and institutional investors do come on, um, I my my best guess would be two hundred fifty thousand years. Okay. I think we're going to see a couple more cycles. Where, you know. Bitcoin in the in the next cycle may go 110, 120,000, and then retrace again back to you know back to 50, 60,000, um, and then then you know have that big shot up to 250. I, I could I could see that happening. I could see that happen. I think that's a very accurate um, look at that. Um, so Moon Boots, I do want to ask you about that. The company, please tell me about that a little bit. Sure. Um, so that, that we, we are, uh, well, we started by saying we're, we're a venture capital and we are a community. Mm -hmm. the, um, my, my partners started this as 
more of like a uh, a watering hole for for people just getting into crypto. They have a Telegram group. They uh, they a lot of people who didn't like the way they were treated in the market or manipulated in the market and and wanted to find some like minded people out there that they could just chat about their their experiences and you know form some some kind of um let's say brotherhood um that would be a bit sexist to say but 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 you know men and women come in there and talk about you know again their experiences what their thoughts on the market was and and, and it and it blew up into a pretty you know a very active group and originally I had my own Telegram channel. It's called the Goodfellas, and, right. and we were somewhat cool. Right? At the same time, we were looking at projects and, and um, discussing them with, with our members. And I, I had some some crossover with the other members on on some other projects where we had either invested in those projects together, or we had um, connections to sea uh, level employees within those projects. And, and we formed a really good relationship over time, um, some crossover and deals. And uh, last June, I think it was, they, they invited me to come on as a co-founder of Moonboots. And we started a venture capital through Moonboots, but brought that back to our community. Um, our community channel and, and provide them some opportunities to get into some fair investments and good opportunities. And, and that kind of blew up into a brand, you know, a name. We, we got some, we got some really, we got a really good reputation over time uh, looking out for our community. And we were solely community focused. We weren't like a traditional VC looking to bring on investors and get a quick ROI and, run to the next project and, and kind of treat it like a, a rinse and repeat. We were trying, we were a value add. We were providing services to the projects that we worked with. Um, everything down, you know, to marketing, graphic design. Um, you know, we worked with the legal teams. So, so we, we tried to find ourselves as a value add and, and that built, again, that built us a great reputation. We worked with dozens of projects over the course of the last year. Um, and now we're, we're in that somewhat of a lull in the market. Um, so, so we've kind of circled back and, and worked on how do we work on uh, being compliant with, in, in the regulatory framework that surrounds that so we could be um, you know, more like a tier one VC. In the future. Right. In, um, we'll have more announcements on this coming, but we've we've merged with a traditional uh, fund uh, wealth management uh, group, and we're their their investors are going to be leveraging us to get into more of the crypto space, and uh, we're going to provide our people in crypto larger opportunity to get involved in projects at. Um, an early startup phase where, where they may not have had that, they may have not had that access in the past. 
So it's, it's something that's really taken off over the course of the last year, and we have really high hopes for it in the future. Very cool. Very cool, man. That's why I started this thing. You've been going nonstop, constantly working, and uh, I can see everything that you're putting forward. So uh, so when you're not, a couple of uh, non-encrypted questions. When you're not working, when you're not, you're not analyzing charts, when you're not doing research, talking to people, what are you doing to relax? Oh, man, I just had a nice new deck built on the back of my house. So I go out, sit on the deck and watch the Yankee game at night and, and chill out with friends. And yeah. Play with my kids. And nice. the people who know me on social media know that I have a beautiful little pit bull that I adopted when she was only 16 weeks old and she's now three. So run her out in the backyard and play. She's like, uh, you know. My, my wife, my kids, my dog, that's my life. You know, just, uh, I'm a pretty simple guy. We, you know, we do the, uh, we do the typical go on vacations and, you know, we, we're, we love, we love lakes and going out on, on the boat. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a fairly simple guy, but you know, I like, I like watching my American football NFL. I, uh, I love watching the Yankees. East Coast guy out here. I'm close to New York City, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, are you a, are you a Jets or a, I'm a Jet fan. I'm a suffering Jet fan. Yeah, you know, traditionally a lot of Yankee fans or Giants fans, you know, yeah, yeah. New York fans. But I'm, yeah, I, I made I made the uh, mistake of becoming a Jets fan back when I was in college. Um, yeah. Had a couple of good years under Rex Ryan. Not, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to turn off any fans of Giants because we fans of both listening. But I remember somebody told me once, and it was, uh, it was not from New York, but the guy was right out of New York. And he's like, well, it's like you know, the Jets. That's somebody who's working, who has a beer, who actually, you know, goes. <laughs> to Giants is the wine and cheese crowd. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way they portray. It. Like, yeah, you know, the Giants are the white collars, and the the uh, Jets are the blue. You know? <laughs> you know, the Giants come in in suits, and uh, the uh, the Jets come in wife beater t shirts. <laughs> All right, and uh, <laughs> you got to play soccer fan. I grew up, I grew up playing playing the sport and okay. followed the national team, and that was uh, something I, I did in college. I actually played for uh, a reigning national champion way back in the day. In college. Oh. So you had what, what soccer team do you follow now? Well, I'm primarily. Now, in, in the U.S., well, the, the Red Bulls, in, in, they actually play in New Jersey in, the, uh, you know, in America here. Um, so I'm a Red Bull fan, but um, I, I follow the U.S. men's national team very closely. I've actually personally known some of the guys who have played for the team. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, if a plane shows up at your house, it's taking you to one or two countries right now. Go anywhere. Where would you go? Good call. Uh, there's a lot of options, right? But it's taken anywhere. You're going to get there in a few minutes, supersonic, whatever you want to call it, right? What country would you go to? Go visit. Go visit. Let me see. I got I to gotta earn points with my wife. So the first, first place I have to go is Iceland. That, that's uh, on our bucket list. We also go to Iceland. So I have to go there. Yeah. But I love, I, you know, I'm a warm weather guy. So mm-hmm. I love the idea of Costa Rica, um, down the Caribbean. There's little island off the coast of uh, Cancun called Isla Mujeres. It's a little eight-mile island where you can just chill out. Yeah, have a couple yeah. Of relax, beautiful beaches. 
I'm one of those guys. I get in, I get invitations to go out to Thailand all the time, and a lot of the guys that I work with out there. But I'm like, shit, man, or or Dubai. But you know, twenty to thirty hour flights for me, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a ways to get out there. No doubt about that. So that's cool, man. That's cool. Well, look, I appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, man, I've been trying to get you on for a while. I know you're super busy, so the fact you made the time, greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Well, listen, man, all the best to you. Really, you know, I really respect what you do and lots of love for you, man. It's good knowing yeah. you, too. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Long time front of the space and uh, definitely appreciate chatting with you. So, full run Gravano on this episode of the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. Once again, brother, thanks for coming on. You've been listening to the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. Follow on Twitter at Woof Big Dog. Woof Big D A W G. And run faster than the competition. Woof, woof.